and we're back. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Asterix or Podcast. Coming to you live from the heart of New Urbum, which is a city, <laughs> in the new movie, The Incredibles. My name's Ethan, and with me are the only two grown men I know that will see a child's movie on opening weekend. We got Kuji. Hey, Kuji. Hi. Kuji's always here, though. <laughs> the real, the real surprise is uh, our good friend Frankie. Hey, Frankie. Hey. Why is it a surprise? Uh, uh, I guess it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. The real surprise is who's missing from the podcast, but we'll we'll leave them un- unnamed for now. You can tell that you just wrote this intro just a couple seconds ago. I actually had a different one. Uh, but it wasn't good, so that was mostly off the cuff. Wait, so this is the one you went with? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no Beef. longer friend of the show, Frankie. <laughs> Beef. But to cut your mic here. If I had those powers, I wish. Got a, got a remote in. So we're all gathered here today to discuss Pixar's newest endeavor, Incredibles 2, The Return of the Incredibles. That's the full title. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Incredibler. <laughs> Mr. Incredibler. Yes. I, I'm glad that that's not actually the name because that would be very disappointing. <laughs> I did read that there was a lot of hullabaloo because I guess they released it as Incredibles 2, not The Incredibles 2. And people were mad because the first one was called The Incredibles. And, right. You know, people like to get mad at stuff. Yeah. Yes. Or, uh, unworthy of uh, eliciting such emotion like cartoon movies but <laughs> that's the world we live in today so we're gonna deeply dive into this movie and give you our thoughts give you a little breakdown of the plot so there will be a lot of spoilers up ahead but let's start off with some more broad discussion here of the movie things that will not spoil the movie since it's brand new, something we rarely do is seeing a brand new movie on the spot. But it comes back directed, written by Brad Bird, as we would come to expect. Starring, starring all the same people we would come to expect. Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Vowell, Sam L. Jackson as various supers. Wait, Dash was and the same voice? That's a great, great point you're making there, Frankie. It was not. It was not. Okay. Because kids grow up and stuff. That's right. Kids grow up. As we, yeah, we've seen a couple of times with Pixar movies. Kids, especially boys, those those nuts drop, and so does those, those voices. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Andy, you got to go to college. Got to burn your toys. <laughs> Fucking college. Yeah. So we got a new voice for Dash, Huck Milner. Yeah. He sounds like a Huck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Huckleberry. To voice a character named Dash, you'd want a kid named Huck. <laughs> and uh, they also, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but Brad Bird also kept his character of Edna, which I have a problem with still. <laughs> <laughs> Minor spoiler there, Kiji. I don't think so. No. Who wouldn't expect Edna to be in the movie? Yeah. She's in the trailer. Oh, she is? Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> she made the suits. Yeah, she makes all the suits. And uh, speaking of suits, we've got Bob Odenkirk 
in a character who wears a suit. <laughs> Winston Dever. That's a great segue. Co- correct. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his sister, Kath- or, uh, Evelyn Dever, is a character voiced by Catherine Keener. Everyone's favorite. I thought he did a really good job. I was very impressed. But it's Bob Kirk, so I shouldn't Bob? be surprised. Interesting, yeah. because I felt like he phoned it in. So I guess Ooh. we'll talk about that. Oh. Okay. Sure, yeah, we can get into that. Um, we also had another uh, Breaking Bad alumnist, Jonathan Banks, replaced the voice of uh, Rick Dicker, who was... Bud Lucky was the voice actor, but he died. So, sad to get that out there. R.I.P. Bud Lucky. Yeah, sorry. You can't be Dick Dicker or whatever again. <laughs> Rick, Rick Dicker. <laughs> yeah, I kept, I kept like, I was like, was his voice actually Dicker? Because, <laughs> like, the the child characters say their, their name a lot. <laughs> oh, weird. So, anyway, guys, this movie, uh, sequel to The Incredibles, 14 years in the making. Uh, Frankie, how excited were you for this sequel? Uh, I guess it's one of the ones, you know, that kind of seemed like it would get a sequel a lot sooner. Um, especially sure. considering that, you know, we got Toy Story 2 um, not too long after the original. And, I don't know, it seemed very palatable. It seemed like it was really well received. I, I really enjoyed the first one. So it was one of those ones where the more time that went by that there wasn't a sequel made, I was just like, well, there's probably never going to be a sequel, so I'm okay. The first one was good enough to where it could stand on its own. And then when it was like, I don't know, maybe like three years ago, I was like, oh, Mm. it could happen. It might happen. And they pulled the, uh, the Last Jedi move by having the movie start literally right after the end of the last one. Which you know makes a little bit more sense when there's only two year two years between the movies, but <laughs> when it's fourteen and they didn't lean into the age difference, um, and they just really literally just started it at the very end of the last movie. I was I was very happy because I was like, oh cool, because I, mm. I it's, I think it's one of the better. The original one is one of the better Pixar. I think it's in top five for sure, for me at Ooh, least. Wow. Um, Save that. And we'll come back to rankings at the oh end. Oh, damn. Like, of all of them? Uh, we can touch on it quickly. We don't have to go. Oh, we can just through. rank Incredibles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. It's release order uh, from top <laughs> down. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was excited about it, and I was very happy with what they came up with. Okay. Could you, what about you? Now, now, we have watched Incredibles probably more recently than the average bear, so... Uh, were you uh, desperate and wanting as the same as Frankie was for the sequel? I, I just think if if you were going to make a sequel, that was one of the ones that deserved it more than, let's say, like another franchise cars? they have. <laughs> yes, Cars. <laughs> that <laughs> Already even, made three of those. Even Monsters, Inc. didn't deserve a sequel for uh, this one. Yeah. They just wanted to show off their uh, their hair technology. That's, that's yeah. true. So, that's true. Monsters, Inc. is probably the least deserving. Cause that's a completely wrapped up story, so they had to make a prequel. Um, but yeah, continue. I did like how they just went... I don't know, they 
they had, I don't know if you guys had the same, well, I'm assuming in front of everything, but they had, like, them basically come out and apologize that it took so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was, that was weird. They had that in front uh, of Coco, actually been, too. Yeah, there's been, there's been a couple, like, PSAs in front of movies, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like, I don't, I don't, definitely don't mind, because I, I really like featurettes and stuff, um, but it is a little different when it's before the movie that you're seeing in theaters it's kind of you know like besides that hey i'm blank such and such voice of whoever and we're really happy to bring the incredibles to you enjoy or whatever but it's like a minute and a half to two minutes of them just going hey this is all the work we put in it's like yeah we know movie didn't (laughs) just happen it didn't just like fall off a bread truck or saying hey we're super sorry (laughs) this took us for fucking ever to make uh please forgive us at least we're all still alive, and then, you know, a couple people aren't, but whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bud Lucky. <laughs> Bud Lucky. Yeah, it really threw me off watching that, because the Coco one was also weird, but at least, like, it was like a behind-the-scenes kind of right. featurette. This one, yeah, it was just straight-up an apology. It took so long, and I was <laughs> like, what? It, well, that... Like, I, yeah. Was that one... Did that have that with the Frozen short? Yeah. Coco, yeah. Yeah, yes. okay. I thought, because when I saw all I thought... that. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also with the Frozen Shard, yeah. Jeez. A whole 45 minutes before you actually started seeing Coco. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird, though. I mean, we're already paying customers. Like, you don't have to convince us to see the movie. I don't know. It was very strange. Maybe it's, like, for the kids, like, to kind of humanize that it it's just not made by like some like faceless corporation that's like hundreds of people who try really hard for a long time but i don't know how that would well, matter yeah wouldn't it wouldn't it be more for us anyway because most of the kids that have seen this both now are probably that are actually kids still probably don't have a huge as huge a gap in between like the whole 14 years you mm-hmm. know yeah like, so i would i would have been what 14 when this came out um so yeah apologize to me age not kids don't (laughs) apologize to the kids apologize to me well i i feel like it it is an apology to the adult fans and And they missed the they missed the chance to to reference the 15 years too late thing from the first incredibles they were so close all i had to do was wait one more year what is that a reference syndrome when he's talking to Mr. Incredible oh. and, he's, and he says, I'm sorry, he's like, oh, that's too late. 15 years too late. Which is hilarious, <laughs> considering that that movie is so prescient about how weird and toxic fandom is. And mm-hmm. you blame the you know the thing that you like, and then you just try and destroy it. Isn't that kind of weird, how that was 14 years ago, and that's actively happening constantly now? Yeah, and this... And- the first Incredibles was before any of the MCU started before I think the, even the first Iron Man. Yep. And it was before the, the last, uh, George Lucas star Wars movie was even out. Well, it was before that. Well, to be fair, it would have been 2004, right? To be fair, the the MCU started with Howard the duck. So (laughs) 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 technically, this is true. Yeah, how dare we forget? 
So yeah, I do think that yeah, it was kind of a message to to those fans. <laughs> Not so much the kids cuz yeah, right. again, the kids don't give a shit. I also appreciate and I, I read that they were actively avoiding talking about and focusing too much on like superhero stuff because it becomes such like a ubiquitous thing that everyone sees all the time. Right. You mean in the movie itself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is more focused on, I guess, the family stuff, much like the first one. Right. Because they could have totally Super- leaned into, like, a team-up storyline, and that's definitely not the case. Team-up with who? Just other people in general, like, you know, the people that they ended up bringing oh, oh, I see. throughout. They, they could have just made, like, a super team. Right, yeah. And then, and then Cred Avengers or something, <laughs> something ridiculous. <laughs> Make their own... The PCU, I, Pixar. I mean, they're <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. both owned by Disney, so you never know. Listen, if if you can get um. Oh wow, that's true. Yeah. You see, all you gotta listen to is a uh, Pat Oswald from uh, uh, the Parks and Recreation rant that he did. <laughs> Thanos can take the reality gym and merge with the Pixar universe <laughs> to make one all-encompassing Disney-run universe. Oh, that that does wait. bring me to one of the questions I had here. Um, Frank, you said you did like the movie. Yes. Kuji, I'm assuming you said you liked the movie. Yeah. Okay. Would you guys? What about then... you, Ethan? Yeah. I, I refuse to refuse. <laughs> <laughs> taking no, this hosting yeah. gig so seriously. Yeah, I know. I'm really taking a back seat here. You guys are <laughs> driving this bus. Uh, no, I liked it. I, I definitely liked it. It was. It lived up to the expectations. Um, it, I don't, I didn't really care that much that it was 14 years since the last one. I don't know, maybe again because I've seen it more recently. Right, because there um, hasn't been any other movies that have come out since then. So what have we? We've had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like exactly, and Pixar doesn't have the best track record with sequels, yeah. so. I wasn't wasn't really excited for them to take one of their best movies and try to replicate those feelings because they probably wouldn't do a great job. But mm-hmm. um, I would say it's it's probably the best sequel they've made. I think that's Ooh. not probably not saying much. It's like really that or Toy Story. I know 3, people I guess. are people are yeah really into the Toy Story sequels to differing degrees. Mm-hmm. Well, that was my question. I was going to ask you guys if. A, you thought this was your favorite superhero franchise? No, Frankie. No, no. okay. <laughs> you're you're the one I was really interested in hearing from. Um, okay. That's a good question. Just in general, I don't really know the answer to that. Uh, probably, I don't know. It's difficult. Pass. But. <laughs> But I mean, your initial reaction is to say no, so I think that, right. I mean that that's answer enough. Yeah, it it's kind of weird, especially like you know we were talking about the the MCU uh, at large, um, the way that they're all kind of molded in together uh, makes it really difficult to differentiate them, especially because even in the solo movies, uh, they kind mm-hmm. of show up in each other's movies. Um, so yeah, but Incredibles is is not my favorite. But <laughs> that, I don't I don't mean it to sound disparaging in any way because I still love the movies. 
it's still up there. Yeah. Kuji, would you say that with confidence? Um, you know, taking it against your Iron Mans, your Spider Mans. No, I well, it's I don't think it's the same kind of. They have different goals that I think they're going for. And yeah, the incredible. Oh is, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, it's. I don't think it's aimed at the same audience in particular, and I don't think it's really. It, I don't know because superhero movies are basically about like the violence when it comes down uh-huh. to it so i don't know yeah, yeah they're more of the action yeah I, I think that a lot of the movies a lot especially the superhero movies that have come out after have kind of been influenced by the the story method that's used where the superpowers are kind of a vehicle to tell some kind of story you know they kind of inform the story as opposed to being oh there's some stuff happening in between big action sequences and stuff like that like um i think probably oh captain america is definitely the best superhero Mm. series i would think that i think i can say that pretty confidently and the that's it's because it's one of the better storied franchises um I mean the the Winter Soldier is I think probably I would say most people would say it's the best of the Marvel movies overall, um, and the first one the is like a period piece, and it just so happens that you know there's this superhero guy that can you know punch motorcycles and you know whatever uh, sw- swim as fast as a submarine things <laughs> like that you know but all all those things all of the super superhero-y stuff is kind of negligible in comparison to the stories that they're trying to tell. And I think that's kind of what is one of the things that people like the most about the Incredibles uh, is that it's like, yeah, it's, you know, there's a strong guy and a stretchy lady and a fast kid and an invisible kid, but really it's about the family and what they're going through, you know? So I think that a lot of, a lot of that stuff kind of has tried to filter into modern superhero movies and the ones that kind of follow that uh, method and that formula better are usually better received. Okay, so it set the template in a way. Also, a little bit, yeah. I also want to add that I think it also helps that everyone in this movie basically has superpowers that everyone knows about already, so it's not like there's no introduction to it. It really is like... I don't know. It's not the most important thing that you know about the character because you're familiar with people who already have those powers like in some other universe. Right. Yeah, and they don't even bother to explain that anyone got the powers, which is fine. And just, yeah, it shows that that's not the focus of the movie. Um, But there was a correct answer to that question, and the best superhero franchise is, of course, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. False. So fail. (laughs) So even the third we'll one. Move on. Now. The uh, the worst Spider-Man, yes. the worst Peter Parker, uh, and but but the best series I can say that. But it's yeah, not better yeah, than not franchise. better than Captain America. But uh, Toby, the worst. Cider House rules garbage. Just get out of here. We're not talking about that. Let's. You brought let's it move up. Move on. Let's, we're not, I didn't bring up Cider House rules. Oh, that's what I, I called Toby McGuire. Um. Would you guys say it is the best Pixar franchise? 
really all you're going up against here is the Nemo franchise, the Monsters franchise, the Cars franchise, which I know right. you guys are going to pull for. <laughs> and, of course, the Toy Story. I guess, I mean, the series of the movies, the only ones that have sequels. Toy Story wins. Come on. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I know. It's, I just it's almost it like you'd have to take them out to even give anyone else a chance. But I would say that uh, Finding Nemo might be close just because I think Finding Dory, like the first three quarters of that movie, are pretty great. And then <laughs> oh, the, the end is just kind of all all over the place yeah. um an, but yeah an uh, to drive a truck yeah <laughs> just you know hey listen i've been reading a lot of stuff uh, most of which is scientific but other that is super conspiracy theory but that octopuses are actually aliens that somehow landed on earth from outside of our planet so hey mm. if they're really aliens you know i hope can't be that knows. smart i hope that's true but yeah, uh, yeah probably so. we'll find probably out. Incredibles. I would it, it's it's close enough to where I'd be comfortable saying that it is the second best Pixar franchise until they do the sequel to Good Dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, build up that universe. Yeah, we need, we need more of that. Uh, okay, well, is there anything else you guys want to talk about that's non-spoilery before we really get into it here? No. Okay. Well, Let's I, get right I, into it. I, okay. yeah, just just one thing is like, okay. what did you guys think about the? Uh, you guys are big fans of the aesthetic of the movie, right? Both musically and visually. Yeah, I I am Kuji. I can't speak for you. I would say yes. Like it? You this, mean like the the mod style, the mod, right. uh, like the modern? Yeah, like kind of like the yeah, mm-hmm. that, exactly. Um. I don't know. It's just like the whole the whole time I was watching this movie, and just thinking about it in comparison to the last one, and everything. I'm like, this is just an incredibly stylish movie. Like, it's all pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I feel like this one kind of worked that in more, right? Because you get, um, I mean, there's a couple sh- shots in there, even of like Johnny Quest. He's watching Johnny Quest, right? Right, and. Um, yeah. There was another show, I guess, that in, in the background. I, I didn't catch it, but so it kind of firmly places it into like 1964, I think. Right. Um, it was like a Godzilla show. Yeah, something like that. Kind of. Well, I couldn't figure out what period it was because they had a like a hover train, which I feel like is very modern. <laughs> That's true. And then all like the communication hypnotizing stuff is all super futuristic as well. Maybe it's like so a it's, uh, it's like the like a Fallout type. Yeah, you know, like, like that retro futurism. It, yeah, like that Very divergent like, yeah, somewhere. Steampunk-y. Like we never we never figured out how to make transistors, so everything was still vacuum tubes, and we were still able to figure out how to make things levitate, but uh, you know, not anything else. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Robots. Yeah. I mean, fucking yeah, automatons. Still a lot of things there. No, yeah, that's a good that's a good aesthetic, that retro futurism. You could all get behind that. Um, but let's uh Are you downplaying uh, the significance of transistors? I, I really didn't want to get into that because I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I don't Google know it. what a transistor is. Vacuum tubes. Tra- 
It transists. Radio tubes. Yeah, it transists. What? Data? Let's move, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. move on. It's also a really good 311 album. <laughs> Are there any? No, that's kidding. I like 311. I just wanted to be a jerk for a second. Oh, yeah, please. I got worried. We got a lot of 311 fans that cross over <laughs> at this pod. Hey, man, you got to come original, okay? <laughs> All right, speaking of uh, the original Incredibles, we're uh, picking up right where we left off there. We're now going to head to spoiler territory, by the way. Um, we start off with the last one picked up with the Underminer attack, where the Parr family has come back from their adventure. Now they're all together at, I think, Dash's track meet. Yeah. And uh, Underminer comes out from under the ground, and it is voiced by pod favorite John Ratzenberger. Um, Could you? How so happy good. were you to see the Underminer get some screen time? <laughs> I was so happy, and I was so happy that he said more than just one line. Yeah, I was happy he, that they kept that line and did it again because I always thought it was pretty funny, and I'm glad that that's how they started the movie. Yeah, me too. He gets you know a good five or so minutes of screen time there. He, he yeah. fights. He, he actually. He actually had to go to the studio <laughs> to record. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Keep keep Ratzenberger working. Yeah. And, and he got he, away. Yeah, he gets away. He robs a bank, gets so, away with the money. Incredibles 3, you know? Hey, it's it's sitting right there. Wrath of the Underminer. And, I mean, like, what I was reading is this movie was supposed to be released 2019. They pushed it up to this year. What? And have Toy Story 4 come out next year. So Brad Bird kind of talked about how there was a lot they had to cut out so there is you know probably some material left over under minor included or not for <laughs> another a third one so would you want that that's awesome uh yeah yeah i think so <laughs> the world the world's fun enough the characters are i like all the characters they have good chemistry uh so i would I, I wouldn't mind them making more even if like plot is reductive but you know whatever they're fun. Kuji, would you? Yeah, I feel like they didn't get to like uh, uh, over predictive. Like they didn't set up for a sequel or anything. They just they left it open ended. Yeah, they could easily so. close it, which I think would. I mean, I always kind of. I'm scared of sequels in general, so like if they did close it, I'd be fine with that. But if they made another one, I would see it, of course, and record a terrible pot about it. <laughs> um, so after we have the Underminer attack, he robs some banks, gets away, but in doing so, the Incredible Family try to stop his big drill machine. But it wrecks havoc in the city, and they're able to finally stop it, but they're mainly blamed for all the destruction caused by it, because at one point, like, a cop says, if you just let him go, the insurance would have covered the banks, and it would have been fine. So I kind of like that, because it's, you know, most superhero movies, superhero doesn't really do anything wrong ever. He kind of, him saving the day, even with the destruction he causes is always overlooked 
So it's interesting that they would start off this one grounding the whole thing and like, you know, this is reality. You can't just go wrecking, you know, three blocks of the city and expect no repercussions from it. It was a good, it was a good through line from the last one too, with um, you know superheroes being underground. You kind of had that whole thing with uh, him and Frozone early on in the movie. Um, and even though the majority of that adventure kind of took place on Syndrome's Island and whatnot, uh, it kind it kind of did lead you to believe that, oh, yeah, this is like the dawn of, you know, the heroes coming back and, you know, saving people out in the open and whatever. So it was very, I thought it was pretty intelligent to immediately go, nope, remember? This is all illegal. You, you're not yeah. allowed to do this. Yeah, because honestly, like, even though I saw the first one recently, I forgot that they were still illegal at the end of that movie. Right. Because they kind of, at the end of that one, they're, like, accepting that they're going to be fighting crime. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's good, like, reminder. Like, no, still illegal. Still can't do this. So still kind of leaves some room there for uh, more resolution. And that resolution comes in the name of Bob Odenkirk. Winston Dever, Dever. He's a superhero fan, generally a rich man, who comes to the PARS and Frozone. Actually comes to Frozone first, I guess. And offers them a chance to regain public support by fighting crime, but wearing cameras to control the narrative and show the people the public at large that they're they are doing good they're not just destroying the city uh frankie what do you think of that as like an idea into in the movie world because to me i don't really know if it makes any sense (laughs) but to Um, you do you you think that's that uh, is like a, a winning strategy to get the the support on the well, side. it's it's interesting. Like, if they had written this story, and this movie came out in 2006, um, it would have been kind of. I think it would have been something where it's like, this is weird. It's kind of, I don't know, like Big Brothery. Um, why why does it matter? You know, like what people think at large. You know, heroes are supposed to be doing this for selfless reasons. You know all that and everything but i think the because that would have been like you know pre-facebook pre-twitter all that stuff but i think the world that we live in now where we're consciously you know projecting every second of our lives out into the internet for everyone to see um and it's kind of a control it's always a controlled image because you know it's usually either Mm -hmm. the highest highs or the lowest lows it's not you know and if anyone ever is like oh i'm just brushing my teeth like, is this guy losing his mind? Why is he telling us that he's brushing his teeth? Uh, so I kind of, it's it definitely seems like it's symptomatic of the time that we live in, as opposed to being something that makes sense narratively in the world. Um, yeah. And they pull it around, especially with the introduction of the villain, um, which, again, is something that is definitely of its time. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's It works but it's not i don't think it's as sharp because they still kind of use the same uh parenting is difficult plot uh to push the majority of the story 
but the kind of ancillary, um, you know, technology and marketing and, you know, the way that we consume things being, you know, what ultimately makes something true or not uh, seemed like it was a very much a, hey, it's 2018 and this is the stuff that we deal with. So we're going to put it into a movie, even if it's a kid's Hmm. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Could you what do you think? about that working it, it, even like it, as a, a plan in that world do you think that was the that was uh, kind of the, the right way to go well the first thing i thought of was like body cams then i'm right. like well yep that's like not a great thing to invoke <laughs> uh and they're all stalking they also have like a whole conflict about like is it okay to break laws if they're not good laws or something right which i think is particularly apropos like in this moment, not something that they would have predicted. But then there's like, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's as I noticed, every single person checking their goddamn phone every five seconds. <laughs> it's just something like that is everyone's constantly looking at screens during during your movie. And it's just yeah. Oh, well, fuck fuck that, man. That's ridiculous. You can't yeah. you can't just you know throw it in your pocket for. An hour and a half, hour four. Actually, this one was over two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. Ju- just shy of two hours. Longest but Pixar still, movie ever. But even still, just watch the movie. You you know, tweet about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's like our generation talking to us as people who like I didn't have a cell phone until I was like since until I was like going to college, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, kids today, it's always dual screens. <laughs> yeah. Said, damn, it's the damn 3DS, man. It ruined our lives. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing I thought, too, about this plan is, like, from what the movie portrays, it seems like the crime fighter or the supers do have the public support. So I don't really know who they're trying to convince here with, like, these body cams. Um, but I don't know. It was kind of weird. But I guess also it gets they... the plot going. I'm just gonna do it. Push this along a little bit, yeah. if you don't mind. Do it. Well, how'd you feel about like Mr. Incredible basically being like exactly what like toxic max- masculinity? <laughs> yeah, is. I was gonna say a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I thought he was gonna like let go a little bit, but they like kept pushing it even towards the end of the movie. Really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's something I noticed throughout there's kind of a lot of hints at that like it's kind of a hidden theme this i guess yeah toxic masculinity or like even just kind of a general idea of like i don't know if it wants to have the incompetence of men but <laughs> I mean, you, you've got mr incredible who like is, is being a dick and like yeah sexist because he wants to be the one to be the breadwinner um and not the stay-at-home dad and then even um there's like a commercial they show at one point and it doesn't have any context, but all it says is there is like, Oh, so easy. A husband can do it. (laughs) Well, I think that's Uh, always been, um, I think that was one of the earliest kind of attempts to, hmm, change the narrative with stuff. Cause I think the bumbling father figure has been, Definitely in infomercials and stuff, and commercials in general. Um, yeah. 
but it's weird because it's it's the type of it's usually attached to things that reinforce the domesticity of women so it's like dad doesn't know how to mop what an idiot (laughs) but it's just like because mom knows how to mop it's like uh why don't we just teach dad how to fucking mop then so that he can do it um so yeah i totally understand what you're saying there especially because when he does kind of lean into the uh you know single not single parent but the stay-at-home parent role uh Mm -hmm. it's it's early on definitely it seems out of uh, competition as opposed to compassion right and it's also uh underlyingly selfish because he because once they get this program going if Elastigirl is successful, then Mr. Incredible gets to be Mr. Incredible again. And so that's his... get a nanny or something. <laughs> that's true. Because, <laughs> yeah, they give him a mansion. You'd think they wouldn't have any uh, issues with money. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> never... Well, I was afraid for a second I thought they were going to go the route where, like, Elastigirl, like, absolute power corrupts absolutely sort of direction where like mm-hmm. she'll be the best super and then like she'll get all corrupt and like be super selfish but then it turns out she just is herself the entire time and then the power does nothing to her so <laughs> yeah maybe a little bit no i like but, that and i like th- throughout this movie and i guess the other one too they're really good at um showing just how much fun the supers have using their powers and how much they just want to fight crime just because it's fun to like fly around as like Elastigirl or like right. break walls as Mr. Incredible and um, it's like yeah obviously like that's that's so easy to connect to because like everyone wants superpowers and everyone wants to use them in everyday life so it like really it humanizes the characters and uh, yeah it makes sense in the world there too did you have something you were going to say Frankie? um no, I just got, I, I agree. I agree with everything that you guys are saying. Um, so it's it's one of those things where I I'm, there's not it's difficult to be a contrarian when everyone likes the movie and basically yeah. the uh, uh, the kind of plot itself. Um, I guess if I had any questions about the plot, um, as far as like the um, you know the air quotes body cam stuff. Um, yeah. Did did it seem like it was like a clear setup for he was the bad guy to you guys, like um, Bob Odenkirk? Yeah, just the like the the idea that they were controlling the narrative um, mm-hmm. to me, just because you know that feels very totalitarian. Um, mm-hmm. It was like it seemed like that was kind of the clear. Uh, intent behind that plot line early on um, which I thought was kind of interesting considering that my read of Bob Odenkirk's like voiceover work in this movie was flat um, and I know that obviously Coogee doesn't agree so I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to get an earful on that uh, but yeah just I don't know maybe it was like a kind of a disconnect in the animation and his voice or something like that like even if they had given him Bob Odenkirk's tired eyes as opposed to like really lively uh, active eyes I would have like felt it was a little bit more believable but just his uh, I don't know just it never really connected 
to me like the movement and animation of him as you know alongside his voice so it just it, to me it always felt like this this was what they were going for that the, the yeah there was going to be a bad guy the screen slaver was going to be the bad guy in this movie or whatever mm-hmm. but in reality what was bad was you know trying to control media or something like that which seemed a little heady and i'm glad they didn't go that way uh you want to feel that one kuji did you did you see bob odenkirk as the villain and do you like his uh sexy and virile character design (laughs) i i did have an issue with i thought there was a disconnect from his voice to his body because it really it struck me more of like a i don't know someone else it just didn't seem like his kind of body but that's funny i don't know i he at least the way i was reading it was that he was like kind of idealistic and like very simple and kind of dumb (laughs) i i saw his sister being the villain from like the first second because he was i feel like put them both together and you get like a elon musk type that's like kind of (laughs) educated about Mm. things but and kind (laughs) of seems like he's on the right side but then also like is probably gonna end up doing a lot of evil terrible things with the amount of power he has right yeah he's still a simpleton (laughs) ultimately still just like a 14 year old boy that's prone to uh to bursts of anger you know based off of having all that testosterone just build up in him and nowhere for it to go Mm -hmm. yeah well, that that too that played into kind of the the rest of the movie being. I mean, I don't know how to say it because I don't want to say it was like anti man or anything because that's stupid and, and it wasn't. Um, but Bob Odenkirk's character is another. I mean, he's kind of an idiot in his own way. <laughs> right. He's, he he's still living like his childhood fantasies out of being like superhero adjacent the way his father was. Right. And. Uh, like somehow getting that same kind of respect that they get just because he was the one who's funding them. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that played into it too. Um, but well, it, it, it kind of, uh, um, and excuse me, um, but it, it kind yeah. of, um, echoes the, the toxic masculinity slash toxic fandom of syndrome from the first one, mm-hmm. which builds into like, uh, something that I think, especially our age group, definitely deals with is this uh, idea of like an extended adolescence. Um, you know, and you get put a lot of reasons as to why that actually happens. Um, but I think there's not a lot of, uh, not as many traditionally grown up avenues left for us to go down because everything sucks. Um, so (laughs) we kind of retreat into the things that we would have loved to have had, you know, enough money or time to spend on when we were, you know, kids. Um, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me that they, they showed that the two, not, not that he's a villain, but the two characters that kind of end up pushing the plot along, uh, in both the movies are kind of in that extended adolescence and also, you know, are filthy rich at the same time um <laughs> one obviously goes a little bit uh, a lot more negative um and the other one is a little bit more positive if not naive uh so it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting take on it and it's also interesting to see that you know those are both men um mm-hmm. which 
I think, you know, is is pretty okay because if you just all you gotta do is spend five minutes on Twitter, uh, and realize that oh yeah, we're <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's just based in reality. I also want to say that the like all the important women, all the important people in this movie happen to be women. Like all the really important ones, like the senator that's like pushing for the whole mm-hmm. thing to happen as a woman. The evil genius is also a woman because her brother's so stupid, <laughs> and then and then the wife is like the hero of the whole thing. And then even last movie, they like they win because syndrome abuses his like girlfriend and basically like is willing to have her die and then that switches her side so like maybe brad bird's trying to tell us something like treat women <laughs> like people right <laughs> yeah i mean it's very much like the other side of the coin of the first w- movie with bob Odenkirk kind of being i guess more of the the positive result of the same symptoms that created syndrome right that like that hero worship of the superheroes um and yeah even even to add to that too uh edna is really the other hero of uh of the movie here so it's really and i i guess even you can go down to violet too she's the one that helps uh in the end to get everyone together and uh finally take out the bad guys so yeah it it really is this one is definitely propelled and saved by the women characters that was and that was kind of um, very similar to the last movie too, because uh, Violet had a big part in the the end because she kind of like you know actually started to use her powers and you know believe in herself and whatnot, uh, which they kind of you know echoed at the very end and referenced that in the beginning, which I thought was a pretty cool pretty cool cold, cold open in this movie, um, but yeah, I mean Elastigirl kind of, you know, single-handedly infiltrating the island compound in the first movie is like, oh yeah, she's clearly the best superhero of all of the superheroes. Um, So yeah, it definitely echoed a lot of the same beats from the first one. Um, But I don't know, did you you, you think the payoff, the ultimate payoff, because there was like, I think the the moment in Incredibles, it's kind of the, uh, you know, that makes the movie is when I think what does he say? I'm not. He's worried that he's not strong enough or whatever. Yeah, he's not strong enough because he's afraid he's gonna lose. Right. Uh, his family. Is is there like a moment in this movie that kind of echoes that? Like, there's the when he's talking to Violet about you know the boy and you know fucking all that up and everything, and that he just wants to be a good dad, and then he falls asleep or whatever. Um, that's emotionally resonant like that was, but it doesn't seem, doesn't have like the same kind of feel as the, I'm not strong enough thing. Cause that was like, you know, a big emotional climax, I think in the first one. Mm-hmm. Well, like she also has to solve that whole boy issue herself. Cause her dad like tries, but fails miserably. <laughs> right. And then she's basically at the end of it. It's like, you know, fuck it. Hey dude, you don't know me. Let's do this. <laughs> and well i also think another through line speaking of which is that the youth will save us all because they're the real heroes of this whole thing right <laughs> yeah yeah it's true they the kids end up saving them the kids and even 
Well, I guess kind of like they introduce a group of like coming supers that are coming up. Yeah. Who I guess are kind of seen as like the next generation in a way, even though one of them's like an old man. Yeah, octogenarian <laughs> <Yeah>. probably. <laughs> yeah. Reflux. One of, one of them's just, just their power is just portal. It's just the game portal. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> uh, which that between her and um, uh, evil genius lady. What's her name? The character? Yeah. Evil Endeavor? Yes. Uh, between the two of them, there was a lot of... Uh... Wait, is that short for Evil Endeavor? <laughs> that, that was the idea. Yeah. Good catch. There you go. Um, I didn't even think about that. Um, there was a lot of uh, what I saw someone refer to on Twitter as queer baiting. Yeah. Um, there was definitely a lot of uh, tension, uh, palpable tension between uh, some of the female characters in this movie, which I thought was interesting, um, considering that you know Disney seems to kind of be making a habit of that and not actually leaning into it. Um, For sure. So it's almost like, you know, between Frozen and aspects of the, like, the Han Solo Star Wars movie and stuff like that. And it's just like, hey, if people are going to be, like, legitimately gay or maybe just somewhere, you know, outside of the heteronormative spectrum, why not just do it and fuck it? Who cares? But I guess we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But they definitely teased well, it. I'm sure there are a ton of people that were watching the movie who are like, <gasps> they're going to... No, they're not going to do it. Dang. I... I did really think that Evelyn was, yeah, was going to be, like, upset because she wanted to be with Elastigirl the whole time, if that's who you're getting at. Because that's what I kind of thought, or, like, read from, like, early on in the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought she was going to try to seduce her in some way. And, and, you know, us talking about it being three straight men, uh makes me think is that something that we're projecting onto the relationship that two women have that it's beyond just them being you know either being you know traditionally catty to each other like happens in movies or you know just the fact that oh if one woman is friendly and jokey and lappy to another woman it must be flirting and if it's flirting then they're totally going to kiss right <laughs> that's going to happen is that is that like legitimately what's happening or we're just kind of projecting which to be fair uh the only reason i brought it up is because i saw someone a lady on twitter say this uh-huh. and i was like okay i'll bring it up so i was like at least <laughs> one other person who is not a man thinks this but it's just also kind of like a what are they doing you know are they toying with us i don't know what's going on so yeah yeah i didn't think of it as much with the void character i thought that was more just like she was just gaga about meeting like her idol Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't know. It, it probably is projecting, but it seems a little more explicit with the the Evelyn character. Yeah, and uh, Laster Girl. At least the beginning, they're shooting some looks back and forth. <laughs> well, when they're when they're having that chat and they both have drinks and they're you know doing the the big time you know, I want you to know how funny the thing is you just said is to me laughs and whatnot. You're just like hmm. <laughs> This is like some, you know, first Tinder date stuff going on right here. But, you know, again, could be projecting. Well, let's uh, project on through here. Um, King of the Segway. 
That was, that was terrible. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, so yeah, I guess we're at the point basically where it's revealed that Evelyn Dever is actually the the villain uh, behind Screen Slaver, and that's kind of her avatar out there. And the mission is to, similar to Syndrome, I would say, uh, she was someone who was spurned by you know supers in, at an early age, and now their motivation is really just to get rid of them. Um, to expose a, them as frauds. Yeah, just I guess to make them illegal forever, to ruin because I guess to go against her brother, kind of building the support for them, to uh, just squash that completely by making them hypno zombies, right? And uh, oh. crashing a boat. Oh, I have to admit that I, and we we're kind of touching on it earlier. I kind of agree with what, because her her rant is basically just anti-consumerism the rant was good so, so did, um, i'm kind of a little bit on her side did you did you <laughs> feel like um j- just because the way that they ended her story was kind of like i just want to get rid of superheroes like ultimately like everything else is kind of a vehicle to make sure that you know we never have to rely on superheroes and coming off the tales of you know the anti-consumerist rant or whatever um, was that, like, were superheroes kind of like a metaphor for all the rest of that stuff? Because to me it seemed like the early stuff was kind of just, uh, you know, someone making a Twitter thread, uh, but ultimately it was just get rid of supers, or were they kind of, you know, they went hand in hand. Like, the supers were a, like a projection of her feelings about just everything else, basically. Uh, I, I think at some point in there she says something about people want ease over quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of took it as just an attack on like the general uh, laziness of. And again, like this is kind of more looking at like kind of a modern day world, even though this movie was supposed to take place in the '60s, whatever. Right. Um, but I kind of took it as like, yeah, like. The supers represent people giving up, uh, I guess, some of their maybe freedom in a way or just kind of some of their brain power so they don't have to think about a certain thing, similar to what we do with, like, our smartphones and whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, because well, you're, like, loading to, a, like, a false sense of security, which makes yeah. you, like, less aware of your surroundings. And, yeah. Which is, yeah, with the characters, their parents are are killed because they rely too much on the superheroes to save them as opposed to saving themselves in a way that they could have. Right. So that, yeah, that was kind of how I took it. So yeah, I think it was a metaphor, yeah. but I don't know how, how I wish everyone in the theater would understand the metaphor and turn off their goddamn phones. <laughs> yeah, that is ironic. <laughs> yeah. That people were being distracted while they're being told how dumb it is to be distracted. Right. Well, it's 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 kind of like, um, you know, when someone will try and make a viral video about how we need to, you know, disconnect ourselves from social media and it becomes viral because of social media. It's just, you know, it's, it's interesting um, that people take that all or nothing approach uh, and, as opposed to, like, you know, trying to talk about moderation or something instead 
It's just like, oh yeah, we're all slaves to our phones and blah blah. Meanwhile, it, you know, you're hearing that on a podcast that you've downloaded on the iTunes app, uh, or you know, you like you're download. broadcasting it like on a live stream, you know, from you know, like some other kind of app. It's like it's just a part of us now. Um, so just use it like everything else in moderation, and you should be all right. Yeah, I guess kind of like what. You mentioned earlier, Frankie, the first one has that line that really ties it all together with uh, Mr. Incredible. Talking about yep. not having the strength. Mm-hmm. And this one, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I had it. And I don't really know if it really even addressed an answer to those problems that it was raising. Right. Did I don't know. Did you guys pick anything up there? I guess I don't know. What's really the moral of this movie? Well, it uh, seems like it, it comes from, like like Kuji was saying, like it comes from the bad guy. So just by the nature of it being delivered by the bad guy, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle because the bad guy ultimately loses. Um, so yeah. obviously, you're not supposed to you, listen to the bad guy, right? And when okay. you do it like that, when you're like clearly this person is wrong, and because they lost, uh, it almost means like <clears throat> so the opposite must be true. Rely on supers, blah blah. blah. Um, mm-hmm. which is an interesting route to take. Um, so then it, so then you got to start like thinking about, is that what this movie is about or is it about the family stuff? Um, and then, you know, then it becomes, is, so is the family stuff about the actual family or is it about Mr. Incredible, you know, like not being able to have confidence in himself as a man or whatever. So it, it seems like, it's a little less focused than the first one. Um, And not that any parts of the plot are bad or don't work together, but because they're kind of disparate and not really resolved, it doesn't feel as tight as the Mm. first one. Yeah, I agree with that. Kuji, what do you you think? Did you see a a hidden moral here that we missed? I think, I thought you mentioned it. I just assumed the moral was, like, in my mind, I put it as, like, oh, be cool to your family. But I guess it really was no moral. <laughs> I mean, if it was, like, because they weren't honest with each other the entire time. Like, he was constantly lying right. to his wife and the kids. And, yeah, I don't know if there even really was a moral. Like, and, it was- and, and Frozone saved the day anyway, like, every time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> He is so, really the actual best superhero. And I love that they, Samuel you know, Jackson that his Samuel. wife's name is actually Honey. That's great. <laughs> That's so good. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, the whole, you know, I guess if you just look at it as like one big movie as opposed to two, even mm-hmm. that, that whole answer, that question about like, is he strong enough? Um, is either not answered at all or is a very clear and resounding nope. Um, <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that it seemed like he was afraid of that he was trying to actively fight by literally punching things in the first one um, didn't end up helping him overall. Like, he, you know, he eventually has, like, like I said, the conversation with Violet um, and all that, but really... You know, he's just kind of barely getting by. And maybe maybe that could be something. Maybe that could be, like, if you think about 
like the age disparity between watching this first one, watching the first one and watching this one, maybe a good majority of the people that are seeing it now are taking their own kids. So maybe they're kind of dealing with all of that same stuff, like kind of just getting by, just trying, just fucking winging it. Um, you know, and whether, whether it's just kids or life, I guess in general. Um, but that would be more of kind of like a, you know, doing a deep dive podcast about a movie as opposed to, you know, just like a surface level motif, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, I think about it too, like the ending, they don't really even win because they rely on each other in any way that like is extraordinary to their own interactions already. So yeah, I don't know. Not really any, not getting anything here, (laughs) but that's okay. I mean, but it was pretty, it was pretty, it was a sequel. The action was cool. The, the ending, I mean, I think they did a really good job. Uh, I don't remember the last one as, as having such a long, tense climax. Right. Like the whole boat, the entire boat scene, I don't know, it seems to go on forever, but it like, it keeps the, you know, it keeps the momentum up. It doesn't right. get like, it was paced really too well. long. It didn't feel like two hours like at all to me. And was she going to fly into space? No. Where was she going? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how long does that take for uh, what is it? Hype, hype, no hypnix. What? Till she loses, till she wanted the last girl to run out of oxygen, right? Hypoxia. Uh, Hypoxia. That's it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, she's a super, so I'll give her some credit. I don't think a flare gun could break a window either, but she's <laughs> on like a jet. Right. <laughs> but it, but it would have like, cause she. I guess. Well, she shot. No, that would be dead because if it. She if shot, it shot her, didn't she? And she, she shot the, the oxygen rest? tank, and oxygen's oh, like extremely right. explosive and under pressure. She would have been dead. Like, she would have been fried. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. But yeah. she saved her and. And Frozen saved everybody. And she said, just because you saved me doesn't mean you're right, which I feel like is also a good lesson, I guess, or something. Because it's like. Just because you're doing the right thing one time or something. I don't know. It's very muddled. <laughs> no, it, it's no like, I, I, I totally see that. I, want, I, I 100% agree with that. It's like, again, the, the best messages are coming from the villain. Yeah, just because um, you act righteous doesn't mean you're right. Right, because you can, it, it depends on when you act righteous. Yeah. You know, it's like if, it, if it's, you know, to make sure that it doesn't look like you just threw someone out of a plane and they died. Um, you know, like, and again, it kind of comes back to the, uh, the whole crux of their plan. It's like the way that it's framed, like the way that it looks, you know, for the people that are on the ground as she's, you know, plummeting to earth, trying to save this person. It's like, oh, she just saved her. You know, even though Mm -hmm. she was a bad guy, she could have just let her die, but they saved her. But, you know, it's, I guess it's all perspective. Um, cause it's kind of like, a you know. If you create a situation where bad things are happening to people and then all of a sudden you save those people, that doesn't make you a hero. That makes you a manipulator. Um, So, you know, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that it's like all it's going to take is one person to, you know, cross the line or, you know, whatever. 
and then that person will be seen as a good person. It's like, no, because they created the situation where everything was shitty to begin with. So they're just an asshole that's an opportunist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it throws a lot of perspective. I, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, well, I was going to move at this a little bit, but agree that yeah, we can move on. before that, I think Disney is kind of like putting its toe in the water of like being more progressive than it is because they're expanding a lot more and they're have a bigger fan base now to like work for. So I feel like they're being forced to be more progressive about how their like media shows things, which is good obviously and one thing being i'm pretty sure bow which is the short beforehand was the first short directed by a woman yes yeah short. yeah shit, we almost forgot to talk about that <laughs> yeah yeah i think and this one too being that all the female characters are the the real winners um i guess it is definitely a progression for disney but again kind of like frankie's saying Disney were the ones that basically set those roles up. Kind of like how everyone was like, oh, wow, I can't believe Frozen didn't have a love interest as the main story. It's like, well, you only expected that because Disney's been doing that for 40 years. Right. And they've been the one, like, in front of the pack. So it's like, should we praise them just for finally changing their path after so many years? And, like, like you're saying, they're they're doing a lot of queer baiting in their movie mm-hmm. or whatever it's so it's not it's still like inching slowly along right um but they're still getting that praise so right. they're gonna keep Cause moving I, cause at I, the same pace right because i think that some people will say that any progress is good progress um but you yeah. know there will also be people that'll that'll say you know um it's not fast enough which is fine because those are going to be the people that continue to kind of you know put the people's feet to the fire and are always asking for more and more and more. So it's fine to have a good combination of people are like, Oh, this is great. And Oh, this is not happening fast enough because that's the only way that actual progress happens. Um, but what, what is interesting and it, I, you know, very much appreciate you saying, you know, kind of echoing the sentiment that I had because, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to look at a company like Disney that is kind of the end-all, be-all when it comes to especially animated features and stuff like that, but just kind of media in general at this point, um, and not see them as ultimately like the evil empire. You know, they might have all of the properties that we all, you know, enjoy and love and stuff like that, but, you know, it's kind of scary because they get to control all of the narratives. Um, And yeah, they're kind of dribbling out little bits of progression but you know it's like overall the reason that you can see that as a progression is because they've been the ones that have been holding things back for so long but Mm -hmm. what's good like kuji was saying about like the kind of proliferation of opportunities is that there's only there's only so many you know you have to deliver you know x amount of movies a year of different types and whatnot so you have you know it's just going to become like a law of averages eventually you're going to start getting different voices in there because you just don't have enough of the same stuff anymore and you know that it's ultimately not going to sell so you need to have you know voices of different genders and you know racial backgrounds and stuff like that and so if it takes four or five you know basically middle of the road white movies to get a brown movie 
or to get a movie directed by a brown person, um, you know, it, that's better than nothing because these voices are actually getting shots now. They're getting opportunities, whether it just be by attrition or by, like, affirmative action or whatever. Who cares? You know, having those voices out there is still better than them not existing at all. Mm, yeah. Wow, we made a lot of progress here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna fix everything on this uh, on this Pixar podcast. It does that does make me feel hopeful, but also, yeah, and also Disney sucks because they like ruin copyright. But that's a whole other argument. <laughs> yeah, and they right. don't pay their employees. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, at Disney. <laughs> right. So you know that, what? Fuck Disney. That's, that that's that's the balance it's like they're 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 the only reason that someone would have the opportunity to make a movie like bow but because they're the only reason that someone would have an opportunity to make bow is also why they suck uh uh-huh. because there's not enough space out there uh for independent media to be consumed out of weight you know like in a way that is profitable to allow people to continue to make things so it's like if you want to make your bow movie you have to become part of Disney. So it's just kind of, it's weird, but I still think a bow movie is, I I like how we're talking about that now, but a bow short is better than no bow short at all. (laughs) And I do like, whenever you say bow movie, it it sounds like bowel movement. Yeah, I kept thinking that too. There you go. (laughs) Now we're back on track. That's what I'm going to call every time I go to the bathroom, a bow movie. (laughs) A quick bow movie. (laughs) And I'll give I'll give Pixar credit too because I feel like even though they're under Disney, they're still probably a little bit more independent because they they've pushed more like progressive shit in the past. Like like they, all the movies have like environmental like uh, like pro environmental messages. Even this one had a electric motorbike for no reason. I guess not really. Well, <laughs> right. So yeah. well, she could do those cool jumps, but that, like, whatever. All right, bow. <laughs> yeah, well, let's um. Real quick, did it was just end on a positive note and wrap up Crabbles too? Did you? What was your favorite moment, Kuji? Favorite moment. Or favorite favorite scene. Um. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to come back to you? Yeah, let me think about it. Frankie, did you have a favorite moment or scene? Uh, so, I guess it's kind of a, a tie between two. Um, but the through line is Jack-Jack, because Jack-Jack yes. is the best part of this movie. He was yeah. uh, mm-hmm. definitely kind of like sneaky stole the first movie, just especially because, you know, all the babysitter stuff and everything. Um, but he 100% owns this movie he somehow became more adorable um (laughs) you know in the 14 years um the raccoon scene is Mm -hmm. one of the funniest things that i've seen in a long time that you know obviously was was played up for laughs but it was like you know definitely a a story uh moving thing kind of just like hey these are all the things that he can do now because of his weird power set that he has um and just his interaction with the raccoon itself was hilarious it was just so fucking funny um but (laughs) when bob comes to pick jack jack up from edna's house and he is like mimicking edna like you know like 
pretending to hold a cigarette yes. and walking like she's walking and like kind of mimicking her vocal pattern and stuff like that. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so funny. It, yeah. it was so cute and so funny. Yeah. Well, did you, I was de- did well, you think of an answer yet? Well, what I was debating in my mind was whether it was those two scenes, honestly. That, that was really what I was thinking. <laughs> Jack-Jack was a star. He's the winner, of yeah. course. He's so good. Yeah, okay. okay. That's what I was... No, that was the answer. Jack-Jack is yeah. the answer. Even using um, him as a gun was yeah. great. <laughs> you know. Yeah, when he learns to use a gun. And yeah. uh, Violet, when she's using him as a gun on the boat, and she's actually going pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just too good. I think that's that's one stipulation about if they make a a third one is that they should keep everyone the same age because I think they have a really good da- dynamic the way it is. And right. Jack Jack under control wouldn't pay them any favors. Right. Yeah, that's true. Jack Jack is like a, a little like preteen or something might be annoying. Ugh. Um. Yeah, I was Jack was definitely the best and. Uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to go, if they were going to go too heavy on him. But um, if anything, I think they, they didn't do enough Jack-Jack. Because like, like, I feel like, like he factored in a bit at the end, but like I thought he was going to be like the MacGuffin right. to like save everyone at the end. Yeah, they, they, you know, for a baby that can turn into a fire monster and grow to the <laughs> size of a room and all sorts of stuff, they actually kept mm-hmm. him pretty subtle. Like even yeah. like even like his best some of his best parts were his most subtle things like the uh, little uh, waking his dad up when he was telling him the story <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that whole yeah. thing was it's just best. so adorable and man like besides the action sequences all being done really well and kind of showing how amazing that technology has progressed in you know fourteen years uh, mm-hmm. this movie just looks great all the action mm-hmm. is great you know. It's it's just a pretty, ah, God. I was gonna say it's a pretty incredible movie, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> we about did it. it. It had to happen <laughs> it went at least so once. long. <laughs> uh, my other favorite part of the movie is maybe a bit of a smaller part, but um, whenever Frozone comes into the scene and Mister Incredible's there, Mister Incredible is so happy to see him. <laughs> right. I mean, do you I mean by so the pool much. or no like in the beginning with the underminer right uh he shows up and mr Gobert is like frozen <laughs> he's just so happy to see him they're, yeah they're such bros it's great <laughs> they're such best friends yeah. yeah it's just his joy craig t nelson really nails it all right well uh anything else on incredibles 2 um... we, we hit all that pretty pretty well yeah it's pretty good yeah. Um, all right, we probably should have done it at the beginning, as it uh, <laughs> comes before the movie. But I oh, totally forgot. one one last thing. Um, when sure. the water came out of Violet's nose uh, at the diner, um, I was drinking soda at the time, and I almost had the same uh, experience because I was not ex- I was, a I was not expecting it, um, but b I was not expecting it to be as uh, visual as it ended up being. <laughs> Um, because yeah. it was like honestly like two, it was like two faucets were turned on in her nose. The amount of water that came out and as powerful as it was, and I was not prepared. Well, I'm glad it didn't happen. Although it would have made for a better story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had I to, to be fair, I had the uh, like it went up to the just the top part of my nose, so I had the, the like bubbles. yeah, I had that sting uh, there for a little bit. 
Yeah, which is the <laughs> which is the worst. All right, so yeah, like before the movie, they've got the short, of course. Um, saving it for the end of this pod, though. <laughs> Real quick, what are your thoughts about Bao? Uh, I'll start with you, QG. Oh, me? Yeah, you get to start. Uh, as a person with a particularly uh, overbearing mother, I related <laughs> to it very well. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, I don't know it. It was a story I'm very familiar with. I thought it was cool. I thought the animation was really good. Um, mm-hmm. They were Asian. Oh, that was cool, too. I mean, they were also Canadian. <laughs> Whatever. Let's do, do it all. I was about... I they were Canadian. Yeah, they were in, like... Did I miss... He was wearing, like, a Canada sweater at the end. The dad. Oh, it was? Oh, wow. Good eye. <laughs> I missed that. And I'm pretty sure they were in Vancouver. Hmm. Uh, good eye also I was <laughs> did not notice that <laughs> <laughs> could be wrong okay Frankie are you uh, also a, a boy with a, a overbearing mother who could relate to this <laughs> story uh, no um, not not as much uh, I don't know is it what's the what's the term for like um, like one level back from helicopter um hmm. whatever that is we'll, we'll my mom, my drone? Mom, yeah very, yeah uh one of those super silent drones my mom has always been <laughs> super involved in my life but never in like a directorial way just kind of like a hey what's going on one of those things but not um you know making me sit on the bus with her and feeding me by hand and stuff like that um <laughs> but yeah it's just um to me uh, the part that resonated with me is how important food is to, mm-hmm. to that family. Um, so much so that food can be brought to life. Not that that ever happened to me, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that's the part that kind of resonated with me. And uh, this, the, the movie Incredibles 2 uh, broke my streak of crying in every Pixar movie, but I did have some some welling up while watching Bow for sure. <laughs> Almost got you. All right. Which I which I have that. to ask you guys about. I have to ask you guys about this. If this is the experience that you had, um, because I'm not sure how to feel about it. But what happened in your audience when the mom ate Bow? Um, well, I was seeing the movie with um, my niece who is uh, 16 and she was dying laughing. <laughs> right. And I was kind of like getting mad at her. <laughs> I, the, the my entire audience uh, was cracking up and I was just like, what, what is Monsters. wrong with you people? <laughs> what, what is happening? <laughs> I, you know, it, this is emotional. I think everyone right. in, in my theory just said, what, what the hell or something. It was, it was like <laughs> confused more than anything. Right. Confusion I'm totally cool with, but, like, you know, laugh, uh, especially, you know, because, like, they, the the camera was super dynamic at that point, moving back and forth, and it's just mm-hmm. like, this is not for comedy, folks. <laughs> this, is, this is not what this is for. Especially when she goes, you know, she immediately starts bawling afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, fuck. But 
that leads me to my next question. Because the the idea the what I heard from murmurs around the audience after you know everything ends up happening is that uh, people thought that the little bow baby was their actual son. Is that what you guys got? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that the dump, that the dumpling, and the, uh, that the, the dumpling, um, and the human kid that shows up later in the movie, right. were the same person. But he, but she eats the dumpling, right? So, I took it more as like, that's a manifestation of her sadness, because her son, was maybe not as sweet to her despite her nurturing and right of left her so i don't i wasn't quite sure if that was like a dream or like just like how she was thinking about the situation to cope with it but i mean i didn't think it was actually the same <laughs> thing there were definitely some folks in my theater that thought that the little dumpling man <laughs> and the the portly boy that show up later in the evening uh were the same same entity I, yeah I, what did you think Cooch? i thought it was it was like her being an empty nester and like her husband went to work so she i thought it was more of like a sixth sense scenario where it's like <laughs> she can see it but nobody else can and stuff <laughs> yeah they definitely they definitely kept uh they definitely kept the the dad father husband character out of the almost the entirety of the i think all the entirety of the dumpling man situation yeah. Which uh, mm-hmm. lends some um, <laughs> psychosis aspect to it, for sure. Right. Uh, I also thought, like, at the beginning, I thought it was a couple who didn't have kids. Which is kind of like, isn't that yeah. like the gingerbread man or something? Right. So that's that was the route I thought it was going until the kid shows up at the end. Right. I, I also want to say that I also did not cried all during the, the movie but i did well up when they were on that bed together eating like eclairs oh, yeah. or whatever oh yeah <laughs> that got me yeah very very sweet i've definitely been irate with my mother at some point and then we're italian and you know i can sit at a table mm. and eat some food and stare at you awkwardly i get it <laughs> yeah it's like i think that's a common relationship people with i mean yeah we have italian mothers um frankie's whatever (laughs) (laughs) mexican i don't know remember my my mom is white but my dad is cuban so that's where that comes from my dad has never cooked a day in his life so there's never been a point in time where my father has brought food to smooth things over unless he purchased it from somewhere and brought it Mm. back my dad is good at one thing, and it's flipping a steak over on a grill, hmm. and that's it. That's the extent of his uh, culinary prowess. Damn, like a real man, though. Yes. He's <laughs> a real Bob Parr, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. And, you know, happy Father's Day to all the Bob Parrs out there. Yeah, happy yeah. Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, and all the future Bob Parrs, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> Stay at home. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think we we nailed it all. 
Any other thoughts here? It did did the first part where we talked about Ratzenberger does that count as the Ratzenberger report? Uh, yeah, that's gonna have the funky fresh music over it. Cool, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> Whenever his name is uttered <laughs> until the the conversation changes, <laughs> turns off, then that's where the music is. Ratzenberger, Got it. Ratzenberger, Ratzenberger, Ratzenberger. Yeah, we'll bring it back. We'll, I'll put it here too. It's <laughs> because I I love that song. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I would say it was great. I loved it. Um, yeah. We don't have to we don't have to rank the movies because we're running long here. But <laughs> de- definitely in the in the upper upper echelon, not the top tier. Um, probably maybe second tier. Yeah, yeah. It's my my personal take. Yeah, we all agree. Well, great. Um, and with that, Kuji, uh, what? What what do we have left? Are we are we done? Do we dare go back and finally record a Cars three pod? I think we must. Oh God, for the sake of completionism. Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll have that ranking episode. Get to the bottom of it all. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have at least, or I guess at most, two more episodes <laughs> to record. <laughs> we may or may not do the Cars three. We'll see, um, but well, you'll, have, dust uh, it, you'll dust it off in the future, though. You know, Moana two, Return to Moana, stuff like that. <laughs> we do have yeah, Toy Story four next summer. Yeah, and then I'm sure they'll make a Cars four through ten. Oh god. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and there's just sequels from here on out. But we'll be here. Um, Instagram, oh not Instagram. <laughs> 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 we do not do Instagram anymore. <laughs> Twitter, which we don't also really do anymore either. Uh, at asterisk are. Um, I will say, if you are listening to this pod, anyone who's not on the uh, film Slack we've got going, DM me or Kuji or the asterisk are Twitter, and we'll get you joined up because it's fun. It's lit, as the kids would say. <laughs> God, I hate that so much. Yep, I hate you for saying that. I regret, I regret saying it as I said it. So <laughs> it happens when I, I didn't prepare. Yeah, it's so dumb. <laughs> All right, speaking of dumb, this podcast is dumb. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Frankie. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Bye, uh, guys. Bye. You know, not through a, a procedural. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay lit. Oh. Bye. Bye. I'm ending. We all had bulges, I'm sure.